Welcome back to the 4A Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We have done it. The baseball season is over. The Houston Astros have taken home their first real ring. Let's break it down. How are we doing today, boys? Doing pretty good. How are you doing, Stavs? I'm curious. You look really uh, good today. Uh, I could be doing better. A little under the weather, but we don't care. We're here. We're recording. The World Series is over, and that's all anyone can talk about. Amen. So that World Series, you know... Coming into it, the Houston Astros, the juggernaut, and the Red Hot Phillies going head-to-head. Beforehand, you know, it was 3-1. to one. We had three people with the Astros, and we had the Brad with the Phillies. And I stood by that. I thought the Phillies stood a genuine chance, but the Astros overall were just a better team. And it showed their depth, their bullpen, the offense, everything else in between. The Astros win the World Series. Yeah, I mean, this is this is just like one of the most dominant performances. And I saw in a tweet, I believe it was from Passon, um, he really he really said it was inevitable that this would happen. This this team is inevitable. Their offense, their pitching, their bullpen. I think this bullpen had I think the most dominant pitching performance in World Series history, and it's just it never stopped uh, unless we're talking about the game where they lost seven, nothing. But once that no hitter happened, we knew it was over. Uh, we knew that they were inevitable. Uh, it's going to take it from here. Uh, yeah, it was really the Astros were in a league of their own. Uh, I think they had the lowest bullpen ERA in world series history. Postseason. Um, postseason history. Okay. So even better, right? Um, it, it's just, it's crazy to, you had guys come out of the pen. You had Presley locked down. Um, and then you had guys, you had, Christian Javier, who's a name that people know, but he pitches six innings and a no-hitter, and that's just really all you need from him. Um, and on top of that, you had the timely hitting, and that's what, what baseball really is, is timely hitting through and through. On the Phillies' side, you had just streaky hitting, which has been the Phillies the whole year. They're streaky. They... Hit, hit well. I mean, they had five home runs in one game, but after that, their, their offense just went cold. Yeah, no. Um, bullpen, I think. Um, you look at Presley. Presley was in every single game that they won, correct? Maybe uh, yeah. three. I know he's definitely in three. I don't know if he got into every single one. Uh, I Yeah, all of them. <laughs> all of them. Um, in my opinion, I think Presley sh- should have should have you know won the World Series MVP. My personal opinion, just because of his you know dominance. I mean, they they didn't hit him, um, you know. But I mean, just postseason dominance from that bullpen won it. Yeah, and so we're gonna bring you into that breakdown real quick. Game one, Aaron Nola, Justin Verlander, two steeds on the mound, bottom second. Kyle Tucker launches the ball 40,000 feet up in the air, only goes about 380 feet, one nothing Astros, Maldonado singles, Gurriel scores, and can he tuck and do it again? He tuck and can. Kyle Tucker, two run or three run bomb, second bomb of the game, but the game's not over yet. Castellanos, he goes for an RBI single in the top of the fourth. Boom, two RBI do- double. Justin Verlander gets clipped for five runs as five to three. Who stun? No longer. JT Real Muto, two RBI double until the game is tied in the 10th inning and he strikes again and he can't rock the baby to sleep when JT cracks a ball like that one. Phillies take game one, six to five. 
Game two, wheeling and dealing versus Valdez. Double, double, foul ball, double. Astros, two nothing in the first, throwing air by Edmundo Sosa, three nothing. And I'll ask you, I'll Alex, you this. Is it a tight game? Not anymore. Alex Coffin, oh, wow, Alex Coffin. Alex Bregman, nail in the coffin, five nothing Phillies. Phillies put up too late, but it's not enough. Sears is tied at one. Is the rain delay the way for the Phillies to win it? Possibly, or, you know, Lance McCullers tipping pitches as he throws a curveball that moved less than a 60-mile-an-hour fastball from a little leaguer. Bryce Harper puts it into the outfield stands. 2-0 Phillies. Boom, Homer. Marsh, Homer. Schwarber, Homer. 450 dead center. Let's add it to Reese. And it's backed by the Ranger keeping the park safe. Phillies win 7-0. <sighs> Nola back on the bump versus a new challenger, Christian Javier. Christian Javier looking to continue that dominance from New York Yankees. And Nola leaves the game with the bases loaded in the fifth inning. Alvarez gets hit by Alvarado on the first pitch. Bregman doubles, Tucker slack, sack fly, Gurriel single. And that's all the Astros offense needed to do. As Javier goes six scoreless, six hitless, Abreu Montero Presley closed the no-hitter, second in World Series history. Game five, the God of Thunder has landed, but the ball lands quicker. Pena singles the second at-bat of the game, 1-0 Houston. But Schwarber didn't like that. Verlander tries to repeat two pitches high, and a Schwar bomb ties up the game. But then Pena, Jordan, make it 3-1. to one. And then Gene, Gene Segura makes it 3-2 to two late in the game, but it is not enough as Verlander gets his first World Series win to add to his resume. And we go to game six. Fran Valdez versus Zach Wheeler, Mark two. Astros can clinch it through five or scoreless. Wheeling a dealing versus big ball Valdez. And when push came to shove, Kyle Schwarber said otherwise. Bomb 1-0 Philly, but Wheeler loses it a little bit. He throws a little inside to Maldonado, and Mal- Maldonado inspects it a little bit closer with his elbow. Pena finds a little hole. And then Thompson pulls Zach Wheeler at 60 pitches. Jose Alvarado versus Jordan Alvarez. You know how this outcome goes. When you're completely lost, you ask your dad for help. And boy, did Jordan strike. 450, dead center. Straight away, dead center. Three-run Astros. RBI single from Vasquez. Presley and the Houston Astros are your 2022 World Series champions. Yeah, and that was, a, that was an incredible performance. I you out of breath, so let me take that over. Um, I'm just going to give you my point of view for this. I was driving to Tennessee eight hours in the car for game one um, and just listening on the radio, hearing these large cracks as Kyle Tucker came up to the plate was the most disheartening thing ever. Hearing that they are down five, nothing. I turned the radio off. I, I literally did not want to listen to it anymore because I didn't, I, I was personally not an Astros fan. Um, I got to Tennessee and I was not watching the game until I got a notification saying this game is tied. And without any context, I turned on the game at Tennessee. It was it was an incredible first game. And it, it almost completely represented the Phillies' comeback type of season. You know, they're, they're the comeback type of team. Um, and I think game two is a little less memorable. I feel like compared to game one, at least. Um, compared to most of the games, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I think game two is probably the least memorable. But it's just because Valdez continues. You need to just be consistent. And, you know, it's just consistency on both sides. Uh, game three was a slugfest. A lot of fun to watch the big bats. Um, I like the controversy of McCullers tipping pitches. You know, it, it makes the sport interesting, you know, trying to evaluate all that stuff. Uh, game four was a ton of fun. Um, and game five, I will stand by this. I think that Mancini and McCormick 
have completely saved the season for the Astros. The back-to-back plays, I don't know if they're necessarily back-to-back, but those plays late in game five legitimately stopped the Phillies from winning. And they were about to do the Philly Classic and come back in late innings, and they looked like they were going to. And JT puts a ball um, deep right center to the fence, and McCormick literally saves the season. Mancini stops a, a rocket down the line to stop a run. Um, and in a game that matters so much about momentum, I think that if those runs had scored and the Phillies have won game five, I mean, game six, then game seven would look a little interesting. I, I do think that in, in some scenarios, I think that, that the Phillies could have won if it weren't for Mancini and McCormick's insane defense in the, in the field. Um, and I, I, it's a, it was just a really good postseason to watch. Stoes? Um, so that Mancini – uh, games. It's it's a game saving play that he made because there was a, it was first and third, and if that ball gets by Mancini, the game I think is it's I believe it's tied. The game's tied at that point. So and he'll probably the runner first probably will first third, and it's gonna be tough to get out of that situation. Um, going into game six though, you cannot take Wheeler out in that situation. And no situation – again, we've seen it time again. Time and time again, Zach Greinke game seven uh, in the 2019 World Series. They took out Greinke. Uh, they took out Snell in the 2020 World Series. You can't do that. It, your pitcher, no matter what the matchup is – the matchup had already been burnt once earlier in the postseason by Robbie Ray against uh, Jordan Alvarez. You can't – you can't play to matchups when you're on a big stage like this. You go with who's the best. Zach Wheeler is one of the best pitchers in the league. You can't you can't pull him out in that situation. And what are you thinking? Um, no, I just I think the game the series changing, I think, is on that Chaz McCormick catch. Uh, if he doesn't catch that, that hits the wall. That is a whole different game, whole different series. It switches everything. Um, so that right there is that, and you know, like you said, the Mancini play at first. Yuli Gurriel does not make that play. Uh, I, I don't think Yuli makes that play, and so that injury was the blessing in disguise for the Astros. Um, something that I really agreed with Stevs on was pulling, like the stupidity of pulling Zach Wheeler, but I really think it was a lose-lose situation for Rob Thompson. Like given the fact, like you don't pull Wheeler and he lets up the home run. Why isn't Jose Alvarado in, but you put in Jose Alvarado, he lets up the home run. Why isn't Zach Wheeler still in? But I fall on the side of your, your ace, your guy, guy that you're paying for over five years, over a hundred million. This guy's at 60 pitches in the biggest game of your season. You roll with him. And if he's the one that gets snake bitten by the gopher ball, then that's what happens but you roll with the best and that's not what Rob Thompson did in this situation. Like you've seen time and time again, especially in the world series, Jose Alvarado not coming through when he needed to come through most. And that's really what I think that was really like damaging to the Phillies in this game was it's obviously that at bat versus Jordan Alvarez is what did most of the damage that game, but it was just the situational managing that didn't occur. Yeah. And I think that, I think that Wheeler, even had he let up that, had he let the home run himself, he's still at 61 pitches. It's not like it, he still could go longer. And this isn't necessarily the most. This doesn't. This, this bullpen doesn't have like crazy depth. 
it's not it's a really good bullpen in, in like three or four guys but other than that you really can't go that far so having a, a starter not necessarily eat innings but pitch more innings and go deeper into the game is, is crucial and it's not like the situation looked good for wheeler but even if the situation went to the worst scenario which it did either way you still have wheeler on the mound for probably two more innings he's only at 60 pitches. I, I think that pitch count needs to be valued more than the situation because even if the situation gets to the worst, you still have the pitcher in and you still have a good amount of pitches. You can still hold them back. But when you took him out, not only did you stop your best starter from in the game, from staying in the game, you also had the worst case scenario happen. So it all blew up in Rob Thompson's face. And I think in that, in that sense, it's the worst case scenario. I think that, you can say Rob Thompson was in a lose-lose situation, but it would have been less of a loss had Zach Wheeler been able to last more than more than that inning. No, this is not a reference to Sandy Alcantara. I'm so sorry, guys. Um, but yeah, that 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 was that was a very crucial thing, and I, I feel like in those in those do or die games, you can't you can't pull your guy. So, so something that I was really like curious about when they pulled Zach Wheeler is it had been a constant thing that Rob Thompson was pulling him earlier in the game because his velo was dying down. So I went and looked at that real quick and his forcing fastball was averaging around 97 and a half through the first couple innings sinker a little bit higher than that, probably because it gets a little bit better extension on it. But when we're looking at pivotal fifth inning or so and where they're actually putting the ball in play, it seemed that the velocity was dying down like very, very last second, but it was still pretty high compared to what it normally was. And honestly, even at the end of the day, like fastball averaging 88 or 98, excuse me, and it drops to 96 in his last two batters. Like that's not, I still think you roll with your ace in that situation, especially as someone that can have command of the corners a lot better than Jose Alvarado and Zach Wheeler. Yeah. Especially in like, especially in a pivotal situation. I mean, stats are important for one thing, but in those game time decisions, I don't know if you can do that. Do you, do you think that Rob Thompson's actually like live monitoring and stuff? I don't think that it's more of a Rob Thompson decision. I think it's really influenced by the front office, front office there. But I think one of the things that we can really take away from this postseason and last year too, is that analytics run really well through the regular season. With so much of what you have to rely on in the postseason, it's just the eye test. Like you see Houston does it. Like they let Valdez go when he's going. They pull him when he's not. I think the only example when Houston really failed to do that was McCullers. Um, yeah. They, he like he should have been pulled earlier in that game. where, But it also, in his ability to go five innings, he did save the bullpen. So even though he might have been getting hit around the yard, Dusty could have been effectively punting that game. And we may not know that. And it really saved the bullpen for the other two games in Philadelphia. Yeah, and I think McCullers isn't necessarily known as, like, a really bad postseason pitcher. So it was a little out of the blue. And it definitely was a result of the tipping. But this guy has been pretty dominant in starts, especially in the World Series. He's been known to do, to do some stuff in that. It's, 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 <laughs> it's interesting to see him do so poorly. I speak so highly on Lance McCullers in the postseason because he's done this before. But... Uh, is a little disappointing game three, but I do like the idea of, of maybe punting a game. And something I found interesting was just like the Astros allowed 32 runs in 13 games this postseason. 22 of them came from Verlander and McCullers. So if you get rid of that, across the rest of the Astros pitching staff, 10 earned runs. 
That's pretty impressive. Like you got to trust your guys and Dusty could. Yeah, I just I I think Javier legitimately doesn't have enough emotion to care. It's strange. How can you be so cool about it in in such an intense situation? And even going to the bullpen too for Abreu for Presley, you, you really everyone there and every pitcher that he did not mention seems to not be in their own head. But I think McCullers and Verlander are in their own head. Verlander is known as the worst postseason like World Series pitcher of all time. And when you get told that a million times, he's going to start believing it. And, you know, it's hard to turn that around as a pitcher because um, he's conti- it's like a psychology thing. He continues to hear the same thing, and he's, he's now accepting of the fact that he's not a good postseason pitcher. Uh, and in a World, Se- World Series, sorry. I don't um, think that he's accepting of that. I think he's like still going out there every time being like, I don't think what, in- what happened in the past influences his next start. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's it's very consistent with him. He's just consistently poor in, in World Series starts. So is it is it him getting in his own head? Because he clearly has the stuff in the regular season. Where does that go in the, these clutch moments? It's it's got to be in his head somewhere. I, I think like there's to some degree like the competitiveness of at bats. Like people are more prone to punishing mistakes in the postseason than they would be in the regular season, just like because of how locked in you are. Like you have Castellanos quoting that like. You know, he's playing this better defense. Like, he's playing average postseason defense, but it's better than his regular season. Because it's so difficult to lock in for all 162. But when the postseason, everything's on the line. um, When everything's on the line, you can really focus more. And I think that's what happens in those Verlander at-bats and those Verlander games. And and normally all that damage is coming early against Verlander, except in the game one. Inception, excuse me, except in game one where it kind of happened midway through. But you can either look at it as like they got to jump him early or once he starts to wear down. Because Verlander's pitch count was getting pretty high when he got hit. So I think it's more of a you got to jump him early and you can't let him get locked in. Yeah, he did get locked in. Aiden, you want to say something? Yeah, no. um, I think, you know, touching on what Brad said earlier is, how well Verlander rebounded. Um, you know, that first game, five in the first inning, um, you know, this, that. And then to come back, game five, crucial game. Uh, game five is the biggest game in the series, in my opinion. You know, it's in Philly. If Philly wins, they can easily win the series, you know. But, you know, Houston won thanks to Verlander in the bullpen. Um but no, I just I think it's so huge on you know, it's so huge for Houston that Verlander can come out and do his thing for how, how many innings did he go? Five, I think. He Six? Was five, I believe. Five, I think, five complete innings. Yeah. Um, you know, to hand it to an elite bullpen in Houston, you know, to really show them because if, if he if he pitched like like Wood Series Verlander. Feel like it easily have you know walked away with one series trophy by now. Definitely, and you needed Justin Verlander to to show up in that game five. Houston needed to win two of the three games in Philadelphia in order for them to take the series away. They couldn't do what they did. Um, I was gonna say against Washington, but they they won every game away. They they can't. You couldn't go into Philly and lose two out of the three and expect to come home and win. It wasn't going to happen. 
Philly's a different monster. We've, we've, proved, we've, we've proven that over the course of this postseason. The fact that they were able to go into Citizens Bank and win two out of three, it was crucial for them winning the World Series title this year. Um, something I want to touch on is Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker is one of the one of the greatest managers of all times, and he has over 2,000 career wins as a manager, ninth most in MLB history. Um, he That's the most, most wins without a World Series title for a manager. Uh, he has three he has three different manager of the year trophies, but he never he had never gotten to this point. He had gotten close in 2002 with the Giants, but he never had gotten to this point. Not only does he now have a ring as a player, but he has a ring as a coach, and he joins a very elite club of people. I just want to shout out Dusty Baker on that. Uh, yeah. And I have, I have a question for you guys. Just looking at statistics really quick before we get into the next part. Um, so the pretty much leaders and hits, um, other than Jeremy Pena, are Altuve, Gurriel, and Bregman. And those are the three players that usually get trashed on the most for cheating in the uh, 2017 World Series. And they they led the team in hits, uh, other than Pena, uh, all three of them, in that order. And what, what surprises me is that the, their acquisitions in the in the uh, trade deadline, Mancini and Vasquez, they combined for three hits, and it, it kind of shows that maybe maybe they had this talent all along. I don't know. I don't want to say their 2017 ring is is real, but the fact that these players come out every year and and still perform at the highest level. And Brett, what you got to say? So the way I think about it is they were introduced to the world series, like with their hand being held. I think a lot of the pressure was taken off of them because they were really exposed to the world series. Like where like that, they still had the training wheels on when they got their first exposure to the world series. Cause they had the trash cans. They could, you know, I don't know if they were always using it, but at some points they could know what pitch was coming in the most important situations. Like when all the other pressures of the world are on you, cause you're in the world series, you don't have to worry about what pitch is coming. And I think as time's gone on, they, they 2019, we don't think they cheated against the Nationals. I don't think they could have because the Nats had that ela- elaborate sign uh, delivery system. 2021, they lost to the Braves. So I think there was more of a pressure to win this year, but I don't think there was the pressure of being in the World Series. I think that allowed them to play a little bit more loose. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely interesting to talk about because – the whole mental side of this from the hitting perspective is it's, it's interesting because you don't know. Well, I don't know what they've had to go through to get back here. Um, but it seems like they've already had this super team this whole time, but for Altuve to come back after 2020, having a down year in 2020 to having ultimately one of the best seasons this season in his whole career. It's, it is incredible to me still. Um, but that's a conversation for another day talking about whether they are still eligible for the Hall of Fame and all that stuff, but uh, does anyone want to take to the next part? So something that I was like really looking forward to was this competition that we had this postseason. And in this postseason, we've had some really good rounds from some people and some really bad rounds. Coming into today, I led the competition with 12 points tied with Tom. Then we had Aiden in second with nine, and we had latecomer Stevs with four. So the way we decided we were going to do this is in the past, we had, if your guy was really good, he got two points. 
If he was good, he got one point. If not, nothing. But with this one, you had to get the MVP right. I'll be flat out. Stevs, Aiden, and Tom all got the team correct. We're going to ignore my my pick. So they each get a point there. But Stevs and Tom, you guys both had Jeremy Pena. Even though Stevs is recorded as saying Jordan Alvarez, he has mentioned to us on multiple occasions that he wanted Jeremy Pena. He just felt guilty taking it from Tom. However, Tom, you get the five points because you picked it in the ALCS episode. Yeah, and that that is that is weird because um, I thought that once he won the ALCS MVP, I was like, oh man, it's impossible for him to win the World Series MVP. You know, going back to back like that is hard. It doesn't happen that often. Um, but yeah, yeah, five points. <laughs> That's crazy. I I I was very happy last night. Um, did I? Did we predict um, how many games it would finish in two? So Aiden and Tom, you guys both got that right. Stevs, you got the team right, but you didn't get the number of games I correct. Did. I did yes. five in there. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Stevs had Ashes in five. Me and Tom had Ashes in six, and then Brad had Phillies in five. five. Yeah. <laughs> it's I still I still don't disagree yeah. with my logic there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No. No. no, no. It, it, it was smart. If you wanted to win the competition, yeah, you really kind of had to go away from Tom. Yeah. Um, because you know, and he got a pivot, so you know there was no way any of us could have won. Mm. Um, but it's interesting to see, you know, the standings and how close we all came. Even Stevs um, wasn't completely out of it with you. Um, Does that left field? He's coming in. He's coming. So, up. yeah, finishing in fourth place. We have Stevs. You finished with eight points. Still a good showing for Surprising. only being able to participate in two rounds. Yeah, like. Honestly, with those eight points, if we go back to the other rounds, you would have been in second. You would have been ahead of Tom and Aiden. It's good. So (laughs) in third, with 11 points, we have Aiden. Well, good job. Good job, Aiden. In second place, who didn't gain any points this round, Brad with 12. And in first place, with a whopping 19, we have Tom. Congratulations. So congratulate him. I think... That Jeremy Pena won the MVP. I don't know if he was the one that 100% deserved it. I'd agree. Yeah, I think we have to talk about that. I I think it should have been Framber Valdez. I 100% agree with that. Aiden wants wrestling. Aiden wants to talk about wrestling. I I don't want to talk about it because I can't talk for a long time. But I think it definitely either should have gone to Valdez or um, Presley. I just, Presley, no runs off him, I believe. Yeah, there was it, an unearned run. An unearned run. Um, unearned. And like three hits, I think, off of wrestling in total. Yes. So, you know, around, around that, I just, he came into every game that they, you know, won and shut the door. Um, And then you had, you know, then you had Valdez, who I, I think it should have been either one of them. I very much disagree with your Ryan Presley statement. Um, I think maybe if he had a couple two inning saves, then it would have been an arguable statement. But it's just that the other pieces of the bullpen were so dominant around him that he doesn't stand out as much to me as Framber Valdez, who, you know, you throw two games, you allow one run in each game, both solo home runs, but you strike out 18 people in 12 and a third innings in the World Series. 
and your team wins both those games, like that's exactly what you need. Do, do, do we have a comparison between Valdez and Strasburg? I feel like I can give them... you Valdez stats. I'll, I can't give you Strasburg. I'll give you Strasburg if you talk about Valdez. I'll talk about Valdez for yeah, a quick second. So in his, he, he pitched two games, obviously in the World Series. He gave he pitched over ten and a third. He gave up eleven hits, six runs, all of them earned. He had twelve Ks and had four walks. Um, Who was that for? Who? That was for Valdez. No, no, that was, that was the wrong stats. Yeah. What? Yeah. In the World <laughs> Series, he threw twelve and a third innings to a one four six ERA with eighteen strikeouts. Uh, Steven the- Strasburg in twenty nineteen, two five one ERA, over fourteen point one with fourteen strikeouts. Valdez was better than Steven Strasburg. Yeah, but I guess that maybe shows that there was more. I feel like I feel like for counting stats and for stats in general. When you look at Pena, it's not like the most overwhelming in the world, but he was good no, on both sides. It was a Pena for the huh? Nat. Like I'm, I'm not gonna like go into like stats on who it was, but I guarantee you there was a Pena for the Nationals. It was Probably Howard, Howie Kendrick. Rendon or Kendrick for two months, I believe. Yeah, and 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 the big home run. Um, I I. Yeah, so I, I think you know Valdez on the percent. But yeah, I think it, it says more about I think it says more about the Nats, uh, MVP vote being incorrect. I think it says more about that because I like completely agree games. with that. There is no reason Steven Strasburg should have won that MVP, um, and I will stand by that. Yeah, I, I agree with that one hundred percent. So I don't think we should necessarily be using that to compare for Valdez, but I do mm-hmm. think that when you virtually win for your team. Giving up one run through six innings two times is is winning for your team. And you only need four to win the World Series. If you do that twice out of four games, it's it's the most valuable thing you can get from it, you know. And uh, you can hit and you can feel very well, but I think that's more valuable, um, especially if you're scarce on pitchers, which they weren't. So, but either way, maybe that that is a reason though. Yeah, and it's also like you have to look at like the importance of Valdez's two starts. One of them, obviously, he won the World Series in. Like he won the World Series for his team. Obviously, the team scored the runs, but he kept his like he kept the other team to one run. And in game two, Twice. had the other start. In game two, and had in his other start, if he loses that game, Philly's going home with a two nothing lead. Like that's where my prediction works. Like Philly's in five, going home with a two nothing lead. Citizens Bank, like. Framber Valdez was the reason the Astros won this, in my opinion. I think obviously, like you have to look at uh, like offensive importance, like people stepping up at the right time. But there's no one individual you can point to on the offense. I think if you were to, that might be Jeremy Pena, which is why I think he got the award. But I think Framber's overall influence and winning probability really skyrocketed higher than Jeremy. Yeah, Pena. I think. Yeah, I think Pena had like I think I'm not sure of the exact stats, but with the way he stopped. He, he saved some runs. I think that can be converted into some sort of waiting for, for the MVP, but I can't, I don't, I can't speak on the de- defensive run saved, but there was a, definitely a couple of plays where there was balls going up the middle and he saved them from going, you know, like hit, he stopped like hittable balls, you know, hittable grounders, you know what I'm saying? Like he, his defense was almost more valuable than his offense in this series. And that's saying that with him still batting 400. So it's, 
he was he was elite on both sides of the field. Um, but I think it's time uh, after this to get into our favorite moments of the postseason and the World Series. Uh, Brad, you want to lead us off on this one? So in the World Series, my favorite moment, if I had to go with anything, would honestly just be like, I think it's more multiple moments. It's just Kyle Schwarber hitting the ball and watching it fly. It happened three times where Kyle Schwarber just pisses on a ball, sits down, and just watches the ball fly. He's hitting off of elite talent pitchers like Lance McCullers, dead center, Justin Verlander into the like deep right field at home. And in game six off of Valdez, I, I like the Kyle Schwarber home runs for me. Uh, for me, we all know who I ended up actually picking, wrote down. That wasn't my name, it was Jordan. So his 450 shot in game six, absolutely, I went crazy. I was so happy. Um, it gave him, he had a terrible series, not not the greatest, but that 450 shot that put the Astros ahead was, was definitely something to watch. Um, no, mine. Um, I'm 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 a Philly hater. Um, I just I just I've always grown up hating Philly. This that probably the Chas McCormick catch, you know, just to see. And this might be petty of me, but just to see all the Philly fans get so excited, holy cow! And might hit the you know extra bases. Some even might have thought it was gone, and then McCormick just jump up there and rob it, and then all of them like heartbroken. Yeah, it has to be for me, and it is an amazing catch. Yeah, I, I actually had that written down, too. Um, that and the Trey Mancini back-to-back, you know, that's two punches to the guts for Philly fans. Um, I think that McCormick – can you imagine if that McCormick um, robbery was the final out of the World Series? Can you imagine how, how crazy that would have been? I, I mean, that, that would have changed everything. I still think that running catch by Tucker in the corner is a cool way to end it. You know, like, you got some pretty boring ways to end it. You could have, like, a ground out to first base, and that's pretty boring. But – there, there are some good plays to finish World Series. Like Chris Bryant almost slipping and overthrowing first base in 2016. That was scary and it was entertaining. I think Tucker running in – I think Tucker running into the corner was a good way to finish it. But I just think if McCormick was able to – if they had two outs and that was, that was the final out of the World Series, that would have been just a legendary way to, to close out the season. But I got the McCormick or Mancini. Yeah. And looking at the playoffs as a whole, like – we got spoiled by this postseason. Like, it was good playoff baseball. Like, playoff baseball is the best sport to watch, and there's bias there, but it's the truth because it's competitive baseball where everyone's locked in the whole time. And my favorite moment, it was really early, too. It was actually the, the first game of this post or the second game of this postseason, was the Seattle comeback against the Blue Jays. Like, that massive comeback where you're like, wow. Seattle is down for it. It's, I think it was game one. And Seattle is down 8-1. Like, this is not good. Like, the Blue Jays came to play. And I I, was, I don't remember where I was. But I look back and it's 8-5. I was like, oh, wow, wait, this is close. So I put the game on. I start watching it. And they come back and win it. Like, I think that was the most incredible moment of the postseason. I think Seattle really needed something like that. And there's something they could really use to build off of the next couple of years. For me, it was in the Phillies Braves series, it was game three when Reese Hoskins had the bat spike. Um, that moment for me, I was watching it when it happened, and it was electric through and through. I'm not even a Philly fan. I'm okay with Reese Hoskins. He's a good ball player, and I like him, but. That moment, 
kind of showed that Philadelphia is going to be more than just a, a spoiler. They are a team to be reckoned with, and they proved it, and they gave Houston a run for their money. Yeah, um, I got the bottom of the eighth, game five, San Diego versus Philadelphia. Um, Bryce Harper, go ahead, home run. I don't, I don't know, whoever was watching the game live, I think they'll remember where they were when they, when they saw Bryce Harper hit a legacy home run. That really solidifies someone's legacy when, when they're playing like that. And I honestly realize that that's how postseason baseball can bring people together because I was at the gym, and in between a set of benching, I walked over to a TV screen to watch Bryce Harper bat because it was Bryce Harper, late innings, it's the Philly Magic. And there was four other guys watching the screen, the same screen as me. There was one Houston Astros fan, and there was three just baseball fans. And when that home run happened, everyone went nuts in the, in the gym. And it was crazy to see that there's actually a lot more people that are just as invested as you at the gym watching baseball. It's, it's fun to see. Aiden, what do you got? Uh, personally, I'm also going to go early. I'm going to go game one of the Padres-Mets series. What they did to Max, um, you know, four home runs. Just I'm just going to say the whole game. You know, four home runs and absolute, like, dominance. And I think after that game, that's really when you knew San Diego had a good shot, you know, to make a deep run in this playoffs. Um and it, it kind of uh, shut the Mets fans up. So one thing I hate more than Philly fans are Mets fans. Um, so it kind of um, humbled them a tiny bit to game two when they, you know, came back and then obviously game three. But, I, you know, game one of that series. Yeah. Like, honestly, I, I my second place was I thought it, I hate the Padres. I'm a Dodgers fan. But I thought one of the most unique moments of the postseason was Max Scherzer walking off the field to a chorus of boos from his home fans. <laughs> like, I thought that was one of the most unique moments. I wouldn't call it a good moment. I think unique is the perfect word to summarize that. All right, yeah, we got any I mean, lasting that, thoughts on the postseason? I think it's a great postseason. I'm not going to forget this one for a while. No, I think I think it'll be interesting. You know, now we've had like back to back to back seasons of these underdogs kind of coming through and uh, making deep runs. And I think, you know, especially this one with um, the Phillies and even the Padres making it to the CS, going to two powerhouses. I think it'll be fun, you know, for the upcoming postseasons. Um, you know, just just coming up and nobody's out of it. You know, and you make the playoffs, and you just really see what happens. All right. Thank you all for joining us for this awesome postseason run. You've heard our postseason competition. You've heard our thoughts. Thank you all for joining us, and we hope you stick with us for this amazing offseason. Peace.